0: to another edition of the hit the lights podcast i've got a very special guest with me today somebody i've known for a long time mr david patterson how are you
1: not too bad guy yourself
0: yeah i'm okay thank you so obviously filling the viewers in we've obviously known each other quite a long time haven't we
1: uh since 2007 i think
0: yeah roughly around then wasn't it so yeah <laughs> to, fill the, to fill the listeners in, um, myself and David were actually apprentices together at the same company, and we worked together for what was it? About ten years 10 or years. so.
1: Ten years. Yep, bang on ten years.
0: Yeah. So probably to fill everyone in, tell me how you came to enter the electrical industry.
1: Well, I basically when I was younger, I wanted to work with my hands. Um, but I didn't know what trade to go into. Um, didn't really fancy car mechanics at all. Didn't really, um, didn't really settle with me very well. So basically, I went with my dad to Bracken Wokingham College. They were having an opening night. And uh, basically, the first door I walked straight into was the electrical installation. So I basically sat there for an hour, uh, met the teacher. And he just thought to myself, you know what, this is really intrigues me. So uh, following a couple of weeks, I then went to Bretton Working College for two years and needed an apprenticeship, and that's how I ended up at ALP.
0: So you did a two-year... Full-time. Uh, full-time, and then you eventually got the part-time apprenticeship. So that's when, correct, yeah. When, so when you did the, or you went into the part-time apprenticeship did you start back at square one again year one or did you go straight into year two or
1: three i went straight into year two because of the mvq level three um they thought it might be too much work to get that completed uh within the year so what they said is basically go back into year two but obviously i didn't have to do the exams so i only spent only half a day at college once a week um just obviously doing like the mvq things like that and um once that was completed that was that was it really went straight into uh, level three and that's obviously when i had to take the exams because those were new exams and obviously you're learning for your am2 installation and doing all the practices the practical yeah stuff like that really mate so
0: you say obviously when you kind of went into the college and sat down and electrical was the first thing that that engaged with you what was it that spoke to you about the electrical industry that made you want to go into it for a career
1: it's the science behind it it's not what people think it is you can't just grab any cable and just wire it into anything it's got to be cable calculated for the right amperage uh you know for the distance the volt drop everything else it's not just picking up a bit of copper tubing and just welding it with other trades to me it was just looking at it just doing the same thing every single day but then when you go into the electrical industry it's 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 massive there's there's so many different routes you can go down to so many doors to walk through it's completely endless Um, so that's what really intrigues me
0: so obviously once you came into the part-time apprenticeship that was when our paths crossed (laughs)
1: <laughs> i still remember that as well i was i was outside having a fag and then you walked up and you looked at me and i looked at you and you went you walked straight over your hand and went hi i'm gary alder <laughs> i'm nothing if not polite yeah absolutely mate
0: <laughs> um, so you then joined alp electrical which was the yep. company we both worked for yep. um what sort of work were you doing throughout that time in your apprenticeship?
1: Oh wow! My first job. <laughs> my first job was to put a wind turbine up by McDonald's, um, by Majestic Stadium, and I still believe that's still there today. So I, I have a little giggle every time I drive by. I, th- I um, think I saw and- that fall. <laughs> <laughs> I think it fell down. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and after that. I went into the Thames Water to treatment site. It was my first site was Morton and Marsh with James Holt. So once I started really understanding what was going on in Thames Water sites in the process, it just opened my eyes because you wouldn't really know what happens when you flush your toilet to the water that comes out of your tap. It was pretty incredible, really. And then because it was industrial you got more hands-on work um, obviously with your cable tray your ladder racking your arm and cables your signal cables everything so it was just a completely different ball game completely different to domestic
0: did you get to experience any domestic during the, that early period of your career
1: a week a week's worth and a house in Slough and I did not enjoy it at all
0: what about that didn't you enjoy that you did enjoy with the industrial side
1: um <sighs> Well, it's a bit different because when you you have to deal with the owners of the house, obviously. Um, So when you tell them that you're ripping up the floorboards, they start questioning it. Uh, Why are you doing that? Is it going to go back down? Is is, is the floor going to squeak? It's going to have gaps in it. And you can only do the best you can do with that. You know, these floorboards are probably as old as the house. Um, And then you've got to, you know, drill your holes through all the joists. You've got to run all the cables in. And it's just, it can be so tricky. If if you can lift up the floor in or take a ceiling down to run all your cables in, to to do that, it's it's so simple. It, your life is so simple, but it's never that simple. And when the other thing that irritates irritated me about uh, working domestically is. Once you get to know them, the customer, they then start asking you for favours. Oh, could you just move that socket over a little? Could you just move that light switch to the other side, please, for us, if you've got time? And then they get funny when you ask for extra money. And then, you, and, then and then they get funny when you tell them the work you've got to do. Like, OK, I can do that, but I've got to chase your walls out. Oh, why is that? Well, how's, how's the cable going to get there? So, And you didn't really have that issue with the industrial side. If you're doing a new install, you've got all your ducting done. You've got the challenge of doing your containment. And the best thing I loved about that is it's going to be there for about 20, 30 years or even longer than that. So your work is actually on display for people to come and have a look at. And that's what really done it for me, basically.
0: So what do you think are some of the key skills that are required when doing industrial work over domestic (sighs) then?
1: The main thing is you've got to have an open mind. You've 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 got to be willing to learn different things. That's 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 what I think is the main is the main thing that you need. But it's it's endless. It's you know your profit bus. You've got to do a profit bus course. You never even you you ask a domestic electrician, he wouldn't even know what that is. There's other there's uh, there's the control side as well. Uh, you know your flow meters, your ultrasonics, all of that. You need to you need to learn about all of that. Then you need to start trying to learn how an ICA section works in an MCC or the controls. So yeah, it's yeah, a completely different ball game. Everything yeah. completely different.
0: Just, just for anyone listening who doesn't know what ICA is, that's instrumentation control and Automate, automation panel. Um, so we were quite lucky in that we worked for a bespoke control manu- panel manufacturer as well. What were some of the elements that you ended up learning as a result of the diversity of installations that ALP
1: was fortunate to give you? The main thing I picked up was actually the power and control separation, the segregation that you needed between them because obviously if you if you do it, the magnetic field off the the power cable uh, interferes with the signals and the control cable can give you false readings, weak signals. Unfortunately, I didn't actually get too involved. With the panel sides, what I, was, uh, what I did regret a lot. But every time my opportunities came up, I was then moved on to a different project. I have always wanted to build a control panel from scratch because that's the only way that you can really, really learn about
0: it. So in terms of like having containment and other things on show, are there any particular tips or tools that you have come across during your years of, of completing that type of work that you can offer to maybe maybe an apprentice that was in your position
1: um learn best advice i'll give an apprentice now is learn the hard way before you get to learn the easy way learn how to actually mark up and cut straight by hand and not always rely on for example chop saw uh chop saw So if you're going to cut some trunking or some uni strut brackets, learn how to cut it up by hand first, learn how to cut straight, learn how to file properly, do all of that because you're never ever going to have all the opportunities to have a chop saw. I came across a third year apprentice who I asked to cut some strut up and not one side was completely straight. And when I asked him, so can you not cut straight, he goes, this is the first time I've ever done it. So he's had two years of having it the easy way. So when it came to it, to do it by hand, it took three times as long.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I'd, I'd also add into that manufacturing
1: your own bends. Um, You're not allowed Not not allowed on Thames water sites to, ma- to make your own bends. You have to buy them. But it doesn't mean that you can't learn how to do them.
0: I'd agree with Thames, Thames water and stuff, but industri- industrially as a sector, yeah there's there's plenty of opportunity out there to go and find your end and, yeah.
1: yeah it's the the best one what i learned on to work my angles out with was actually to use cable tray because that from that you can learn how to how much of the lip to cut out how much to bend it and that you can use as a template with trunking so i always found it easy to use a bit of cable tray because it was the simplest one to do and then move on to the more complex things. Yeah.
0: So obviously from there, obviously you completed your apprenticeship with ALP electrical. I assume obviously you, well, I say, I assume I know that you went into becoming um, a lead electrician on lots of projects.
1: Yeah. That's uh,
0: that's what I was very keen on. So, what sort of work did they get you doing straight out?
1: Um? Oh, I think, if I remember rightly, the, thir- the first time I went solo was at Broadmoor Hospital for three months. Um, I was given my own van because so I'd done my time, so I qualified yet. And then I, well, yeah, the very first time on my own was at Broadmoor Hospital. So basically, I was there to help out their maintenance team around the hospital. Again, was a bit of an eye-opener, because that is commercial, but in its own league, for obvious reasons. Um, so what's the security? It, the, what? It's just a security.
0: So obviously, they have particular ways of doing install for for safety, yes what what sort of things uh, would you encounter or have to do? because um, obviously typical light fittings aren't going to be used typical socket sockets and other bits aren't mm-hmm. going to be used. So what sort of products and accessories were you having to install and and complete?
1: So for a perfect example, I had to change the light fitting in a in in a room. <laughs> it's not a cell, it's a room. And funny enough, it was a Yorkshire Ripper's room. So (laughs) he had to be removed. And I had to put the ladder up, have a look at the light. And for obvious reasons, every single fix-in is a security screw. And they keep changing the the style of the head to make it more difficult for um, patients to undo them. So with that one, the lights, the light fittings are completely out of reach. There's, there's absolutely no chance of reaching them at all. You have to go up a ladder. Um, the other ones were sockets. I changed a lot of sockets. So they have to be, obviously, security screws. Um, but what we also have to do is actually use a sealing compound around the socket so um, if the screws broke, um, they would struggle to even get the face off because you have to take consideration a lot of these patients are suicidal. So one of the best ways of doing that, obviously, is to be electrocuted. Go over the top with your installations and the, this took five times as long.
0: Yeah, and no, I remember managing that contract. Obviously, they one of the other key elements with working in there, I remember, was the signing in and out of tools.
1: Yes, that was... Basically, what we had to do, I left my tool bag there uh, in the maintenance area. So what I'd have to do every single day, I had to get like a basically like a scorecard, and I would write the name down every single tool, and I would then tick it myself. So it's so I basically had my initials, and I had to tick every single tool. And I was taking around a full set of tools, so full set of screwdrivers, hacksaws, uh, tape measure, everything, basically. And I would get stopped about five, six times a day, at least, minimum. Um, and what would happen, security guy would come up to you and go, can I, have a, can I see your scorecard? I was like, yep, yeah, okay. And you would have to have your scorecard on you at all times as well. And they would literally look through every single bit of kit you've got.
0: Yeah, I remember one particular incident um, at another hospital that we were servicing where one of the patients actually grabbed a screwdriver off the engineer and obviously tried to assault. And yeah, it certainly becomes a high pressure situation when you've got absolutely mentally unwell people, you know, uh, with, with sharp objects.
1: Yep, absolutely. The, the best advice I was given is if you see someone coming towards you you put your tools in your bag straight away um i had a tango of me anyway who is someone who was escorting me at all times um because obviously i had clearance but i didn't actually work for them. if that makes sense so what you have to do is quickly pack up your tools put your tool bag behind your legs and put your back to the wall so basically you let them walk past but you are shielding your tools and if they if they were to grab them, at least you can pin. Well, technically, your tango has to do this. Um, you could pin them. You, could, you can't hurt them. You have to pin them. So, but but with your tool bags behind your legs, you're stopping them from uh, grabbing uh, a tool, basically, that can be used as a weapon. Because a terminal screwdriver for it is a perfect example of how damaging that could be.
0: Yeah. I, I think one of the things, obviously, Broadmoor being one of the clients, I think we were very fortunate alp um it's only now we've obviously spent some time away realizing what a broad variety of work we actually had
1: there incredible incredible
0: what what were some of the other uh, projects that you were involved with
1: uh, environmental agency i've done a lot of locks um, a lot of testing a lot of test inspection um a lot of remedials all up and yeah. down the thames that was fantastic it was lovely in the summer absolutely lovely you can Got the good weather, we've got the boats out, the, the sun hits the water, it's beautiful. Um, but for obvious reasons we couldn't do the remedial works in the summer because it's the busy season. So unfortunately we have to do that in the winter, uh, where you probably get one or two boats that will go through the lock. Obviously, a lot of these sites were shut down as well, so the weird gates would have to be done manually. And not, um, not might arise. Yeah, I
0: think one of the uh, main things I remember is we had a lot of design challenges with marine installations and obviously boat charging for the public and uh, obviously they have their sewage systems, don't they, that they pump out into so that they can um, empty their, their sewage storage tanks on the boats into the That's EAs right. and I can remember having a lot of issues on those with discrimination of RCDs and feeding off very old installations that were already rcd didn't have the right time delays, etc. you know, yeah. TT arrangements, and having to shut down quite a lot of locks and weirs to put those right um, was not difficult work, but it certainly was long days, weren't they?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But you didn't mind it because if the weather was nice, you're happy. Well, that's me anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I
0: think that's probably everyone if the sun's shining. One of the other large projects, obviously, we worked on um, was Aldermaston in Reading.
1: Wow, yeah. That was uh, that was some project, wasn't it? That was doing a uh, fire alarm and PA install.
0: It was, yeah. I think I've spoken about it before, and I don't think we learned a particular amount, and we actually struggled with our MVQs on that, because that was during our apprenticeships, wasn't it?
1: Yep. We had to get a letter signed and confirmation through uh, to the college saying that we could not take photos. Because for security reasons, it's an MID site. So, yeah, no phones allowed at all. And if you did get caught with a mobile phone, you were removed off-site. Your phone was taken. It was then scanned. Um, and they would look through all your history, all your phone call histories, all your messages, everything. So they would find absolutely all your details that you've done through your phone so we had to check him in every single day
0: <laughs> mm. yeah i remember that that was... it wasn't a fun time i don't i didn't enjoy that job at all with the the amount of hours in darkness and then essentially during the winter winter months just coming yeah. in darkness working in darkness leaving in darkness <laughs> I, that was but i um,
1: but i do have a funny memory of awe go on then I do remember someone having lunch with me in my car and then was too lazy to take their bag back to their car. And this was on a Friday. So they thought, oh, I'll just leave my backpack by your car and we'll grab it later. And then when we came out to leave work, we weren't allowed out of the building because they found, uh, say, an unattended backpack. And I think we both know who the owner was, wasn't it? (laughs) You live and learn. You live and learn. <laughs> do you want to tell the listeners or do you want me to do it? Yeah, it was some dodgy apprentice, I think it was. <laughs> we're in this with GEA, we'll just leave it at that. Do you, know, do
0: you know what? I completely forgot about
1: that. That was so funny. <laughs> just two armed police officers, like everyone staying as a possible bomb, uh, bomb threat in the car park, someone's left an unattended <laughs> bag. <laughs> oh, was it next Rover 25 by chance? Yes. Why? <laughs> Do you want to go uh, and kind of have a word with them, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> there were some lethal sandwiches in there. That was about it. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so, yeah. So, obviously, years went, years rolled by, and your hair got thinner. And yeah absolutely (laughs) absolutely the stress came with it exactly yeah i mean that's probably a valid point so do you want to like maybe explain a bit about the stresses of taking on responsibility
1: um yeah so how i see if this is me personally this might not be for everyone but you want to do a good job and that come it does come with a lot of stress and you're dealing with the client head-on you know, you're the electrical supervisor on site, so, you're you're the go to guy. You know, you haven't got someone in the office to always be there to deal with issues or talk about extra stuff like you've you've got to do it, basically. And obviously you're running a team and you know, you're responsible for the health and safety, you're responsible for them to be busy, you're responsible for them to be learning. So it it can be challenging. It can be because these guys that you work with, they turn into your friends at the end of the day. And with an apprentice, you build a relationship out of them. You get to know them. You get to kind of know their family. You get to know their background. And at the end of the day, you start going to the pub with them and you become friends. So this can be an issue, obviously, because when you're trying to a job and you've got a time frame and you've got to stick to it strictly, they start looking looking at you as a mate rather than a supervisor. And this does get stressful. This is what used to stress me out a lot because I'm a very blunt person. I will say what's on my mind. If I'm not happy, you will know about it. And as people do know, if you don't benefit me, you're gone. I, I will kick you off site. It doesn't matter who you are. I will get you off site.
0: I can Um, remember you giving me many a headache.
1: Um, Yeah, that's what I do, mate. That's what I do because I care. (laughs) The, The thing is with that is I care about the project. I care about that getting done. I care about the job being done at a high standard. You know, it's no shortcuts. Just do it properly. Do a good job. Get a pat on the back from, you know, your contact from your tier one company, or even, even higher is the client. You know, get them to be happy because at the end of the day, these guys are going to give you more work because of you. And then people start asking for you specifically. You know? Um, and that's and that's what being a supervisor is. It is being it's being a friend, but you, you've got to be respected. You've got to teach apprentices, yes, we are friends, out of work. But in work, I'm a supervisor, I'm responsible for you. You have to show me enough respect for you to actually do some hard work. You need you need to show me that so we can do it together, you know. And this is why I had great relationships with a lot of guys that we used to work with, you know. I've got a lot of respect for those guys because they I'm here because of them at the end of the day, you know. And I showed them the respect, and I kept going back on their projects. I was happy to stay away from uh, stay away from home, to go on uh, different sites like Derby, Rolls Royce, Bentley down in Portsmouth. Um, uh, what was it? Middlesbrough as well. Manchester was an airfield as well. So that was a completely different ball game. And and it was a good feeling that people were asking for you. They'll ring you up, uh, you know, and ask you. Not they won't let the the boss ask you they will come to you first and say hey look i've got this job i need someone who's hard working and you fit the bill are you up for it so so kind of in that answer is the stresses of a supervisor was also some really good advice for apprentices when mm-hmm. someone has a go at you don't take it personally at all just just literally wait until the end of the day and your chemistry with the with the, your supervisor will be completely different you'll be going down the pub with him having a chat like nothing happened that day but then at work it will go back to how it was so obviously just put your head down work hard and not only are you making your life easy but you're making supervisor's life a lot easier as well because i i was a working supervisor i wasn't i didn't like sitting in the office all the time at all hated it unless Mm -hmm. i was doing paperwork i couldn't stand it i needed to get out do some work so when i took over becton what was a massive project for us, I was a working supervisor. So mm. I, had my, I had my team and we completed the job and it ended up being a very, very good installation.
0: So that was actually a particularly interesting job, obviously. So at the Becton Sewage Treatment Works, yeah. we completed uh, the powerhouse upgrade, which yep. was the replacement of, I think there was three... Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was the MCC and then we had I think it was three MCCs supplied by three transformers in a ring main. Yeah. If I remember correctly. And no, oh, two. It was
1: two, it was two MCCs. No. No, it was three. Yeah, it was three MCCs. Uh two out in the main hall and one in the control room. So that
0: that was consi- that was a considerable job for the company at the time, wasn't it? That was a yeah. that was getting towards the top echelon of probably 250k as a project yeah and we had an added difficulty didn't we with
1: asbestos yes that's correct yeah so uh with that I had to be face fitted um so i had to be clean shaven and with the face fitting it's it, it that wasn't even what i thought it was so even i got a bit of with that so through through the face fitting um you would have to wear a mask and you would have to basically exercise so they can actually look at your breathing and they would calculate how fit you are basically so um if you're moving around in a building a lot and you're wearing this mask a lot obviously your breathing is a little bit restricted not overly too much but it is in a way So you had your full face masks um, for the really dangerous areas where it would obviously filter the air through. And then you had your half masks where it wasn't as bad. Um, But the main thing was obviously to be clean shaven and to make sure there was a complete seal around your face for the masks. Because obviously we all know how dangerous asbestos is.
0: Yeah, so that was a something I hadn't encountered before in terms of asbestos, no. but it was, it was actually mixed into the historic concrete of the building, wasn't it? That's and over, right. And over time, the dust that was accumulating within, within the building was was dangerous to breathe in.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. It was great experience. Great experience. It,
0: it was. So at the same time as replacing all the LV switchgear as we did, we actually had crews cleaning the building, didn't we?
1: That's correct, yeah. And what they would do is they would literally clean everything by hand and then they would seal off a area and they would clean it. And then what they would do is they would get these monitors in and they would work for about three hours, three to four hours each end. And that would basically tell you what's in the air. So once that area was clean, once it was tested and it was proved and had a certificate of it, um, then they would open that area up for you not to wear your masks and mm. it, it was incredible it was incredible watching these guys work because obviously it's a high risk job so watching them work as a, as a team again is respecting another trade
0: yeah definitely that was a, a technically challenge as well as management challenging job
1: yeah absolutely
0: so obviously you mentioned about staying away something we did quite a lot of together <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um Obviously, that that can put its own stresses on onto the job as well. And obviously, with the nature of with the nature of industrial work, obviously it's all over the country. You you don't necessarily get to pick and choose that the the work is in your vicinity, and you have to work away. Is there any advice you'd give for people who regularly have to stay away, or potentially are looking at that sort of lifestyle choice?
1: Go with someone. If you have to work away with someone, go with someone you get on well with. That is, that is the main thing. You cannot go and work with someone that you either don't respect or don't like or don't get on with at work. You just can't do it. You, you think about the money and it's not worth it at the end of the day because this guy, you're, re- you're basically going to be with him 24-7. You're going you're gonna to travel to the job together. You're going to work all day together. Then you're going to go back to the hotel together. You're then going to have dinner together. Then you're going to see this guy first thing in the morning again. And it's the same. And if this job goes on for months, you're basically, in a way, torturing yourself. And then things you're not happy. And I know this (laughs) this is difficult to say to people, but you've got to be happy at work. For you to enjoy your job and for you to learn about it, you've got to be happy. If you're not happy, you're not going to learn. You're going to be absolutely miserable. And all you're going to do is wish your life away and you're going to wish it was just the weekend. You'll be there Monday morning. Oh God, I can't wait till it's Friday. And then that shouldn't be your attitude. You should, your attitude on Monday morning goes, come on guys, just crack this out. Let's just let's hit this hard and we can have an earlier Friday. Then everyone's morale goes through the roof. But with staying away, get a decent place. Don't torture yourself over a couple of quid. Because with us, we um, had to dig money, didn't we? So the cheaper the place you got, the more money extra you would get in your pocket. It's not mm. worth it. It's not worth the extra £100 in your pocket. Because at the end of the day, if, you, if you've if got a good bed, like if you stay in the Premier Inn, for example, or one of those style hotels, you, you know for a fact they're all the same wherever you go. You've got a good bed, you've got digital TV, you've got a pub downstairs with good food um you know try and get a place that's near a town as well obviously secure car parking is the main issue is that you need that but pick somewhere that you can go out and venture out in, in the evenings you you don't have to treat a stand away job like a block like it's a prison job you know you're not like you're confined to that hotel go out go and explore a town if you're you know uh good examples myself and another colleague stayed away in manchester to manchester uh, for six weeks uh, on an airfield project and we got the hotel right near the Trafford center so for dinner we had i think there's about 30 different places to eat so we used to go out there every night do a bit of shopping and there's bars there it's near old trafford as well so we went <laughs> we went to old trafford um, there's loads of places that, yeah. The best advice is is get get decent digs, be happy, and go with someone that you like.
0: I think that's probably where I messed up them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just oh wow, the 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 stuff that happened with me stayed away. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, I just, we could tell those stories. <laughs> okay, fair enough of one. Well, we used to prank each other a lot, didn't we? when well, we used to stay away.
0: Yeah, I, I remember, generally, it, it was mattresses against the doors.
1: If you That's it, yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. the bed out in the corridor. <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, for good times. So, obviously, you talk about being happy then. So, what do you enjoy most about the electrical industry?
1: It's learning. You're just, you just learning every day. You get to meet new people. And another good thing is, is that you see that person again. On a different job. It's amazing. I've been doing, say, for example, Thames water sites for 10 years. I'm still bumping the same guys that I met when I was an apprentice. So they get to see you, how far along you came, and then you get more responsibility and stuff like that. But yeah, it's just... It's never ending, it never stops. You never stop learning about it. There'll always be a job that you go on to that will just blow your mind. You know, when we worked together in the Crossrail project and mm. they called the hole through on the ground, ready for the track. And when I saw that for the first time, it, it literally blew my mind. And then it's then all the panel gears that you're getting ready. Just, yeah, just loved it. Absolutely, I still do. Absolutely love it.
0: Yeah, you can definitely tell you're still in love with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> your poor wife. Um, so... In terms of the industry moving forward, then, is there anything you'd like to see introduced into the industry?
1: A lot of the stuff that I wanted introduced has been introduced.
0: Perfect Stop example down. is mental health. Yeah, so, yeah, mental
1: health, yeah. Yeah, so now we have mental health first aiders. What I think is extremely crucial to have on these projects you're looking, out, you're looking out for people, you know, because myself now, I'm, a, I'm an AP. I, my, my job title is an electric, electrical supervisor for a tier one company. Um, and I'm basically an electrical AP. So I can do shutdowns and write permits. And I basically look after electrical subcontractors. That's mm-hmm. my job. And what you do with that is you try... And you get to know the guys. And then you start asking them the same questions. You know, how was your weekend? Stuff like that. And then you can always pick up when someone's not happy because you get to know them. You know, you don't just sit in an office and let people go and do it. You get out there and you get to know these guys. And then you can always see a change in tone. So then you think, ah, oh, wait a minute. He doesn't seem quite happy. then you go up to him or her and say, look, he's everything right, you know. And then they, because then you've got to know them. They, they can say, so they will come out with anything, you know, oh, my, for an example, family member's gone into hospital. And then you're like, okay, well, what are we going to have a chat about? Let's go and walk around site. Um, I'll show you this other job and, you know, we'll, we'll go and have a little chit chat around site. If anyone asks, I'll just showed you another job to do. Uh, I have done this before uh, where I did walk someone across site and I just had a bit of a heart to heart. And at the end of it, it's nice knowing from them that they can trust you with things and obviously that's good for their mental health um because it is quite surprising the the, the construction industry has the highest suicide in the uk for mm. mental health uh, not saying it's work related but these guys do work in the construction industry so that was the main thing i did want to see brought into the industry was that okay. um
0: yeah no, and we've both been directly affected by this haven't we with the late passing of our former owner and employer that's correct yeah that's correct um, yeah. so if I, if I fill in the audience on this obviously the company uh, was going through some financial issues which I've spoken about before previously and unbeknownst to myself and the other project managers and directors the company was actually going into liquidation and It was only once I was informed by our owner that we fully understood the extent of what was actually happening with the company um, because he had kept everything to himself emotionally and financially associated with the company. In the days that followed after that announcement, obviously his demeanour diminished and Obviously, being a multi-millionaire, I never thought twice about his mental state. I yeah. always thought, OK, he's got a few million in the bank. He, he's got a lovely home he can go to and his, his career uh, is over for, for, for him and he can go into a lovely retirement. The rest of us have got to kind of look onwards and upwards that we're only at the beginning of our career. Um, and it was only in the days that followed that we found out he passed away. And I, obviously in shock, but the first thought that came to my head was, why didn't I say anything to him? Yeah. Um, I obviously saw how down he had been, and I never really spoke to him to say, how are you? Yeah. Um, which is something I regret,
1: but I think... You should don't regret it, just learn by it what I tell people don't don't regret in life because you start regretting one thing you you next thing you know you're regretting a hundred decisions in your life live yeah. just learn from it and now the thing is how you've said that is now when you see someone who you think is going through something you will stop and you will say to them are you okay mm. you know so yeah. yeah don't 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 regret it mate just just you have to, you have to take, it's one thing we all did because this guy was absolutely lovely. You know, obviously because of his wealth, he traveled a lot. So mm. I was just thinking I was stump him on my honeymoon. I thought, you know, he came straight up to me and goes, Dave, so where, where are you going on your honeymoon? And I just thought to myself, yeah, he's never heard of this place. It's a small little island. Oh, I went Antigua. Oh, lovely place that. Yeah. We've been there a few times. <laughs> mm, so yeah. I used to actually ask him for advice where to go on holiday. Mm. Um, and he gave me advice to go to Cuba, and I went there. Took my wife there for a thirtieth, um, and it was great, absolutely great. So yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't think there'd be a bad word said about him. Um, he obviously supported the company through thick and thin, and yeah. it it was a it was a shame the way everything ended because I think absolutely. really, even though everything's changed probably for all of us that were working there, we were I considered it a family.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And even. Even with all the arguments, like families do, we always still got around at Christmas. We all still had a laugh and a joke, and you know, there weren't there weren't very many bad times.
1: Absolutely, but if you look back now on the guys we worked with, look because of the ALP, because of our, our reputation, look where these guys are now. For yourself, you're doing extremely well. A lot of people now are working on tier one companies, are electrical supervisors, AP roles. Um, other people are still on the tools because I absolutely love it. They just can't get away from it. And that's all because of ALP. This is because of the team we had, because of everyone with the relationship they had. You know, there was a lot of respect and there was a lot of love at ALP. You know, we, we showed that by we used to go out for breakfast every Friday. It was like, i like, it's like, it was like religion that we had to do it. It was one of those things, and you know these guys, I could pick up the phone. You know, if I I've done it as well, there was a few things I didn't know, and I went, oh, this guy would know straight away. All right, Dave, what's, what's up? Oh, I've got an issue. Okay, send me a few photos, mate, and I'll give you a call straight back. And this is the this is the respect and love that was built over that company. Mm. you know we still we still talk now everyone still talks now we try we try our best to meet up for drinks but obviously we can't at the moment yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're all locked away so
0: after i've after we've uh, poured our hearts out i've got one final question
1: yep go for it what's your favorite movie right i had to really think about this because i i love a lot of films as you know um I'm gonna I'm gonna take a stab and I bet it's a Marvel you, you, Yeah, you, no, no. But really? you will get it. No, but you will get it. It's gonna be Dark Knight or something, isn't it? It is gonna be the Dark Knight. <laughs> it is. It's the first film that popped into my head. Yeah. But I thought about it. Yeah, it is the Dark Knight. It is my. F- I've watched the film probably about 30 times. Tell Tell me why. See, the Dark. What I really enjoyed about the Dark Knight. Is that you are taking a comic, you are taking a superhero, and you are taking a villain, and you're trying. What Christopher Nolan done is he brought them into our reality. So nothing was too far fetched. Everything that was in the films, you can do, to, you had the technology to do today, basically. So, you know, the Batmobile, for example, was just a tank on wheels. They probably, the US government probably got one of these <laughs> in design anyway. So, and obviously, Christian Bell, hands down for me, is the best Batman. Okay, it, that would upset a few people, I know. But he pulled the character off very, very well. His fighting technique in it was very, very good. Um, did he, he do always, his own stunt then, did he? Yeah, he done his own stunt. So, well, that's more Batman Begins that one, but yeah, he did do his own stunts. So in Batman Begins, when he's actually up on the wooden logs training, he he's was doing actually doing a rocky. <laughs> doing, he was actually doing that. And the things what people don't actually realise is that he lost hundred and fifty pounds for the machinist, so he was basically anorexic, ribs showing everything. Then he went straight away after that film and put hundred twenty pounds of muscle on. So Christian Bell, hands down, is one of the best actors we've got at the moment. Heath Ledger's Joker is still the best Joker, in my opinion. Walken Phoenix did a wicked job, absolutely incredible job. Jack Nicholson done a great job on his, uh, like a a DC comic version of the Joker, as a comic Mm. book version. But Heath Ledger's Joker was just like what you would imagine him today. And the thing he had, what no one can beat, and this is because he's the best joker, It's the fear factor. So when you look at him, you, you're you're cacking it. You know you're messing with someone who is just gonna injure and laugh about it. He just there's a clip in the film what people don't actually know. So when he goes up to Crash's party to find Harvey Dent, he walks in and Michael Caine sees him for the first time. And if you see, if you watch it, you see Michael Caine's face, just, he's shocked, he's, he's froze in his feet, because this was the first time he actually saw Heath Ledger in makeup. And I'm a massive, I'm a massive fan of this film. I actually own the film scripts used in that film, and it has been signed by everyone, including Heath Ledger, what is just, so I've got a bit of film history, basically. And what's cool. actually a funny and a good fun fact is actually this is the fourth rated best film on the, IMB, on the IMDb data as well.
0: I'm slightly regretting this question because you're going on more than you talked about the industry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you, you asked me why I like it, yeah, no, uh, no, I know. I don't, I don't get bored of it. It's a film that I can, I can keep putting on, and it's just you see his acting skills just incredible. Yeah, incredible.
0: And on that note, thank you very much
1: for your time. No, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Really, really good. I'm sure
0: we'll have to um, get you on again and tell some more stories.
1: Absolutely, mate. I'd be more more than welcome to do that. Um, I could think of a different film for the next uh, podcast. I'm sure (laughs) I could cheer you. I don't don't need to
0: hear about another Batman film.
1: Oh, it won't be. It won't be.
0: (laughs) So thank Uh, you everyone for listening.